Well, before everything was on Compass and Google Classroom, every student at Track used to log around one of these. A Track Student Diary. This is a 2015 model that I found in Mr. Howard's office. Students weren't big fans of their diaries. Often when I would ask a student to write homework or an assessment in their diaries, there'd be a groan amongst the classroom. Staff used to have to check diaries weekly in homeroom too, and we'd get the students to show us what they'd done, and you know, getting them to get their diaries out was like pulling teeth. Why? What was it about these diaries that made them so unlikable? Well, I reckon it came down to three Ds. Despair, denial, and deception. The first one, despair, is one that I can relate to. If you're a bit of a control freak or you have perfectionist tendencies, then you like things to be under control, to be completed, organised. Every Friday afternoon, I uh, look over the upcoming week and I'll make a, a to-do list in my Evernote app about what I'm going to have to do that week. I'll put pretty little checkboxes and I'll map it all out. It's a very promising little activity. Yet at the same time as I look towards the next week, I have this week's list in front of me and it's often something that makes me despair. Because I'll be lucky if half the checkboxes are ticked. I know I'm going to have to push those unchecked tasks into the next week, but that week's already looking pretty full. Those records of what I have and haven't done can make me despair. That's why students would groan when the teacher asked them to take out their diary and write down the homework tasks. The class would already know that there's a, a mountain of work in that diary that hasn't been done yet. And adding any more is just going to send them over the edge. So they despair. That's the first D. Another response to diaries was denial. Sometimes when I checked a student's diary in homeroom, it would just be blank. Nothing would have been written in it for weeks on end. What's the go with your empty diary, I would ask. And they'd reply, oh, I didn't have no homework, sir. Now, once I had to remind a student that I was their English teacher and that I had set them homework the day before. I wasn't here, sir. But my role says you were here. And there'd be silence. That's denial. The third D response is deception. The student diary would never be in the classroom, never be in the homeroom, never in their bag, never in their locker. Why? Well, because chances are if the student had their diary, it would be full of uh, teacher notes to mum and dad about misbehaviour that still hadn't been signed by mum or dad. And now the teachers want to write another follow-up note. But if the student can hide their diary, well, then that puts the ball back in the teacher's court. The teacher will have to go home and uh, ring home after school, and that gives you time to spin a little backstory, etc. Now, of course, we can just use Compass to get in touch with mum or dad straight away. But whatever D it was, despair, denial, deception, no one liked these diaries. And in our reading this morning, we empathise with the psalmist, the, the person who wrote this psalm. We can sympathise because he cries out from the depths. And whether it's the depths of despair, denial or deception, it's a place we don't want to be in. We kind of get the picture. And the psalmist also taps into what I think is the root cause of why no one likes a diary. He asks in verse 3, If the Lord kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? You see, that's it. That's the root issue. A record. We don't like our diaries because we don't want to be accountable to anyone. If there's a record of what I have and haven't done or all the times that I've mucked up in class, well, then that can be held against me and I don't like that. 
That's probably also why you don't like compass. You see, our reluctance over using a diary is just a glimpse of a much bigger issue in our existence, and that is that we want to be in control. We want to be seen as right, as good, without fault. Yet a diary or a compass chronicle, well, they expose all our faults at school, don't they? See, the psalmist is saying that if we had a record of our sins, it would expose not just our faults at school, but the faults of our entire life, and we would not be able to stand. That's why the psalmist is crying from the depths. He's faced up to the fact that he's stuck in the muck of his sins and he begs for God's mercy. Because, you see, the situation of a record of sins, well, it's actually true. God sees and knows all. He does have a warts and all record of our lives, no matter how much we try to present ourselves as good and honourable people. You see, God really knows the darkness of our hearts. And it ain't pretty. The famous preacher John Stott used to say, if you could see my heart as God sees it, you would spit in my face. But thankfully, that's not the end of the picture. The psalmist goes on in verse 4 to say, but with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. The psalmist is crying out the depths of his sin for mercy because he knows that God forgives our sin. He doesn't hold that record against us. Rather, he forgives us. But it's not a light forgiveness. The mercy that God showed us in Jesus was not just a a kind act. It was one as dark as our sin. It was real, gritty and cruel to his son, Jesus the one who needed no forgiveness, the one whose record was clear. This was the one whose face was spat upon. This was the one who cried for mercy to the Lord, but got no answer. This was the one whose life was stamped out and who was thrown into the depths. You see, Jesus wiped the diaries of our lives clean by not only taking punishment for our sins, but by pleasing God with his sufferings. Jesus got us back into God's good books, so to speak, And so because of that forgiveness, we can have peace with God and serve him. And that doesn't mean that Christians would stop sinning straight away as soon as they have been forgiven. The cycle of sin remains, and that seems to be what the rest of the psalm speaks about. The psalmist is waiting for an end to the darkness of his sin in verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. Even when Christians are forgiven by God, we still wrestle with not wanting to be responsible to God or to anyone else. And so we find ourselves being dragged back to sinful behaviour, which can make us despair, deny or deceive. Those three Ds again. Now, elsewhere, the Bible describes sin like a dog returning to its vomit. A dog chucks it up and walks away in disgust. But every now and again, a dog will return to the puddle of spew and snuffle through it, looking for something to eat. What disgusted the dog at first now looks appetising. This disgusting cycle of sin that the psalmist still finds himself in is like the dark of night. And so he goes on to say, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. There's a sense of expectation here. The watchmen want the night to be over, just like we would like to be out of the cycle of our sin. 
And just as certain as the rising of the sun is, so too is God rescuing us finally from our sin. Jesus will return. The light of the world will come and lift his children out of the mark of their sin and into heaven forever. The psalm ends with the assurance that the Lord is unfailing in his love, full of redemption. He will redeem us from sin. In ancient times, when someone showed mercy to a slave, uh, they would pay a bounty to the slave master to redeem the slave. This slave master would keep a record of how much the slave had cost him. There might also be an account of how long the slave would have had to work to earn freedom. But if someone was generous, they would pay that price and redeem the slave. And so here's another image of a record book being wiped clean. So we can feel this psalm scratching where we itch when we think about record keeping. You don't like being responsible to your teachers or your parents, but your diary or your compass chronicle, well, that's a record of how you measure up. And more often than not, you don't. So we despair, deny or deceive. But if we've had the record of our entire lives wiped clean, well, then we might just find the motivation to want to face up to our failings on our compass chronicle. We could take confidence in the fact that whatever punishment we might get for not doing our homework, well, we've had the ultimate punishment of our sin and death taken away. Anything else is only temporary and probably for our own good. And we can start to use a diary or the calendar on your phone as a cry for help, a cry for mercy. We can write down all the stuff we have to get done and then seek help from our teachers. We don't have to despair or deny. And if we get a write-up on compass about our misbehaviour, that's not something to deceive others about. No, it's an opportunity to take stock of the fact that even though sin no longer has to rule our lives, it is still a powerful force that we need to battle against through the power of God's Spirit. And being disciplined now can be how God reminds us to serve him and not ourselves. And it's also an opportunity to praise God that we won't face an eternal judgment. For ultimately, whether we despair, deny or deceive, we are all responsible to God. Now, I'm sure if someone read your compass entries, they wouldn't spit in your face. But what if someone saw the dark secrets of your heart? What if the whole record of your life was laid out before someone else? None of us would be able to stand. We need our diaries wiped clean. We need redemption. And it's being offered to you right now in Jesus. All you have to do is ask for forgiveness. Cry out to God for mercy. He will hear you. Jesus will trade you his unblemished diary for your record of failures. So if you'd like to be lifted out of the depths of your sin, take note of today's date in your diary. For this was the day that the Lord heard your cry for mercy.